This episode of Off My Shelf contains coarse language and adult conversation. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Tracy James and welcome to Off My Shelf, a podcast about movies that are, well, off my shelf, where we go through my DVDs, talk about the movies in my collection. In this episode, Mike Suderman joins me in talking about two movies about princesses with The Princess Bride and Princess Mononoke. Welcome! Hello! Thanks for having me on again. Um, yeah, you keep, you know, you just keep showing up, so I, I gotta do. let you, yeah. I gotta let you talk about the things. <laughs> these are fantastic movies i'm so i'm excited to talk about them i I'm think, mostly just gush about them yeah i think this is one of the episodes that when i had mentioned to my friend group which you are included in that i was gonna start a podcast which is like do you have these movies i'm gonna do it so you've been waiting a long time for this <laughs> uh it's really nice that i'm i'm included in your friend group so yeah i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> it's recorded now, so you can't take it yeah, back. Yeah, I can't take it back. Oh, what have I done? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so I mean, I brought it up already, but like, um, so why are you so excited about these movies? I I love them both. Uh, the like Princess Mononoke, I saw in a theater. My uncle took me to see it when I was a kid, and it uh, it just blew my mind. It was like. I, I I hadn't really seen any anime before. I hadn't seen like, and so it was just like something totally wild and and like fantastical and something that I had, like that kind of, you know, it's it's not like dark fantasy the way you describe it now with like Game of Thrones and stuff, but just for my like tiny brain uh, at the time, it was just like there was demons and there was like these weird uh, um, like antiheroes and uh, uh, people with like good intentions but still villains i don't know it was just uh it was totally fantastic and then uh uh princess bride is just absolutely a delight every scene of it is just uh you know funnier than the last and it's just uh it's great so so you know if, if uh if i was gonna have uh, an episode to be on and have some things to talk about i just wanted to like gush uh and uh have you do you know uh, audio uh, engineering on on my gushing <laughs> session so <Yeah. laughs> um i don't know you're speaking pretty eloquently today i think we're just going to keep it all in like you know what you want to say about these things perfect okay yeah. uh but uh, what about you? What what uh, what led them to be on your shelf? Uh, well, Princess Bride, I agree with you. Every time I watch this movie, I just sit there and smile and laugh. And you know, um, I was my mother was over when I was watching this, and I just sat there and talked through the whole thing. I'm like, she's like, you know, all the words the whole movie. I'm like, yes, I've seen this movie like a million times, and I still love every minute of it. It's it's a whole thing. Um, whereas Princess Mononoke, um, how do I put this in a <laughs> nice way? Um, I sat there and watched it and it drained all energy out of me. And I was like, 
can you please stop now? And then it was like two hours and 15 minutes. And I was just like, oh my God, it's not ending. So yeah. That's... So wait, that doesn't explain why you bought the DVD or own the DVD. Oh, well, I own the DVD <laughs> because, so when I was like a teenager, I was into anime on a certain level. Um, and then, cause it was mostly like the quote unquote, kids shows i liked which you know like sailor moon dragon ball yeah. z ram and a half that kind of thing um because at the time it was very character Sak sakura did you, did you oh god that? no no not that okay. no mm -mm. no that might have been... yeah i didn't even do pokemon i hated pokemon i still i don't okay. i don't like pokemon um <laughs> no not that stuff uh <laughs> um it's a little but... too late <laughs> yeah, it was a little yeah it came on again yeah. it came on like the end of my i like anime part of right. my childhood um and the thing is i bought this because everybody was like it's so good it's so this it's so whatever and they i was right. still pseudo into anime and i bought it and i watched it and mm -hmm. to be honest watching it this time i realized i remembered nothing about this movie except for the undulating worm things yeah that's the only thing i remembered and watching the whole movie i'm like i don't remember any of this like none of it and it was just I was like, okay. I so yeah. I I mean uh, obviously we have we're coming at this movie with different energies, but uh, I I would kill to be able to like wipe my brain and watch Princess Mononoke without remembering every beat of it again, like <laughs> okay. just to have it new and be yeah. like, wow. Anyway, but I, it's impossible because uh, it's seared into my brain. Uh, so. I don't know if you get that machine from uh what is it eternal uh, sunshine it's an eternal sunshine you could you could send a letter to break up with the movie have it erase oh, your brain yeah. and then but then find your way to it again it ends up with like me and billy bob thornton like running through my subconsciousness and like trying to hide <laughs> myself and then, and then we meet each other in a in a uh new jersey uh or a long island uh beach is that is that where we're going with this yes yes that is exactly <laughs> where we're going with this yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was um, like where are you getting billy bob thornton i was like oh wait it's one of the voices got it yeah it took yeah. a second so, so that's the other thing uh you know with anime obviously uh i because i watched it as a kid uh and it was the dub version uh i watched the dub version like that's the that's the version that like uh I watch and that's like in my brain and so that's that's the thing and so that includes um uh all the, the incredible cast voice cast but it, but you know the dub dub cast so billy bob thornton john dimaggio's in it which i didn't realize yeah um and then uh jillian anderson and keith keith david and all those yeah i was people. listening to the wolf god or whatever and i'm like i know that voice i know what that voice is i know yeah. this voice like that's totally Julie Anderson. Yeah, yeah totally Agent was. So it's like, oh, <laughs> it right. Um, yep. yeah, I was actually kind of worried when I watched the dub version that you'd be like a purist and be like, no, it's got to be subtitles or nothing and blah blah blah. And I was like, yeah, oh my god, what if I miss something in the translation? And you know, when we're talking, we talk about completely different things. And I'm like, mm. but no, we watch the same thing, so it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and uh, but also like, uh, you know, I'm sure it would be fine. I'm sure there's fantastic stuff in the in the uh, uh, in the sub. I just that's not 
the version that like I watched as a kid. And so I, I, I always want it. I want, I like hearing agent Scully saying that she wants to crunch the human's face off and, you yes. know, <laughs> uh, and, and just, uh, uh, yeah, Billy Bob Thornton as, as this like weird monk. <laughs> it's just like amazing. Where he's he's just like so slimy. It's it's well, fantastic. One thing I like watching this with the dub and like they have they, at the time these were pretty big names. All everybody were like big names. Yeah, and I'm just like, how did you put together this voice cast? A and B, like I just find some of them don't seem to suit like the people. Like randomly, Jada Pinkett's one of the voices, and you're just like, "Why are you here?" Is all I kept thinking. But that I don't. Know, that was just me. Yeah. No, I, I I agree, and and part of it for me is like again, I those were always the voices. It's like mm-hmm. you know, uh, asking why Simba. Uh, well, so one, I like. They, I think that they got all those people because they had Disney money behind. Um, okay. But I don't know what the casting process was like. But for me, it's just like, oh, those are the voices. It's not it, it, like I'm. I'm sure there's a process, but for me, because I've got the nostalgia thing going, I'm just like, oh, it, it couldn't be anybody else. Uh, it, it, that that's what those characters sound. Like. But, that, that's, but that's just pure you, yeah. pure nostalgia. That like mm-hmm. I, I totally get that some of them sound very like uh disjointed uh well um, like especially like claire danes as princess monoke i found her to be very like flat and weird and mm -hmm. you know like i've seen her act like she's like i don't know if she's done voice and and other stuff now i think about it but you know it just comes across so flat and so boring i'm just like but why did they pick her to do this is it just because of her name or did they actually like go through a process like no, she's the best voice for this? Like, yeah. Yeah, this is my question. But but this is because I was analyzing it because I was not enjoying my viewing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that's that's <laughs> totally fine. I uh like it it is um uh you know, and I think anybody who's listened to other episodes that I've been on knows that like I I, I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons and like this was like a major factor in how in, in like fueling my love of fantasy and stuff like that this this movie is just like it's got the the different factions that are like i love that uh lady aboshi is like talking about the she's like this benevolent capitalist thing which is doing good work but is still destroying the world and so like that part of it can't be sanctioned. Like she's still a violent force that needs to be stopped, um, and eventually is by the spirit of the force. But that she's still like a positive force. She's like giving the lepers a place to live, work to do, and they're proud to be part of that. And then like she's uh, training the women and giving them jobs, which like gives them clearly a lot of. Uh, uh, self-respect and things like that like mm-hmm. they, they talk about how uh, a lot of the women like they they were hired out of brothels and things like that and put to work and they a lot of them feel that that's positive so like it is just it you know again I, I was like a I was a kid and and the moral it's not actually that complex a movie but like the 
I had not seen fantasy with that kind of moral ambiguity and, and stuff like that at that time. So for me, it was, it was so cool. Well, I think it's because as kids, um, especially in North America, where everything has to have a happy ending, um, mm-hmm. we are tend to be shown things that are very straightforward, like black and white. This is good. This is bad. Here's the moral of a story, like one, two, three, right? And yeah. then when you get to outside of North America, even the fairy tales told by like Disney that we've all grown up with, you read the original ones and you're just like, this is very different and very <laughs> dark and very gray. It's all over the place. Um, and so I guess at that time when you watched it, you were just like, this is, it's a cartoon, but it does other things. And yeah. Like, and what? I think the cartoonness of it, like, again, I, I didn't really watch anime. I was aware of like Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z, I think. And so like, you know, there was some stuff there, but it was the sanitized version of both of them. And uh, it like that was airing on YTV or whatever. And so like the idea of a cartoon doing some of this, like it, I, I was aware that, you know, there was like more adult themes, quote unquote, in, in like live action movies, right? But the, the, the fact that it was a cartoon that was like, had the swords and archers and- uh, um, blood. Yeah, well, and and it had all the like uh, tropes of of like the fantasy stuff, but then it was it also had these more complex and adult uh, uh, like themes and stuff. Was was again just it hit me at the right time in my life, and uh, and I loved the bits. Yeah, well, I think that's also the time period. Like, even though like there had been a quote unquote adult cartoons for years, you know, like Fritz the Cat and all that kind of stuff, um, mm-hmm. and, like heavy metal and everything. Cartoons were considered to be a kid's genre slash area slash everything, right? It's a cartoon. It's for children. And I think especially in the 90s and stuff where they're like, no, we're going to make things like South Park. We're going to make things like um, like Futurama. We're going to make things like um, Family Guy. And parents were just sitting there, kids in front of these things that are cartoons because cartoons are for kids. And then everybody's throwing their hands up and they're going like, oh my God, I can't believe you're making this for children. Like nobody said this was for children. (laughs) And I think that's the thing with like a lot of anime that comes to North America, like Princess Mononoke and stuff. Either it's sort of like um, cleansed, like uh, Sailor Moon and stuff, or it's given to us in such like a raw way that our minds, our little minds are blown. Yeah. We see it because we're just like, we've never seen this before you know right whereas like now i think having a an adult a cartoon made for adults is kind of like a regular thing so we're just like just because it's animated doesn't mean it's for a child right yeah even though some parents it's still that still goes over their head and then they they throw their arms up and be like oh my god but that's a different story um but yeah like i i understand what you mean about like the story the type of storytelling slash I've never seen this before, just kind of grabbing hold of you. Yeah. 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 And just, you know, the, the, um, the themes of, of, uh, you know, they, they talk, they talk about just like being consumed by hate or like seeing with eyes unclouded by hate and the, the whole, uh, fact that everybody had a viewpoint and was angry at the others because they were against them or that they hated them. But there, there was no, um, there is no dark Lord Sauron that is like 
big bad. Doesn't matter if 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 that's ended, then goodness will return to the world, right? Like the the it was uh just a a bunch of people trying to coexist and uh, escalating um, outside of it. So so like I, uh, that that's always been kind of my what I like to see in in any kind of story is, is like the, the humanistic approach, even with this world of like demons and forest spirits and all of this stuff, there is no, like the forest spirit is this, is this in some ways has no morality. It, it is, it is both life and death, it, but it, it destroys everything in its way to get its head back. Um, it, it doesn't it, like, it doesn't care if you are a good person. It doesn't care if you know, you or all of those things. And so, so there was no, there is no like morality other than what people make of it. So they had to figure it out on their own. They had to figure out how to coexist. And so that, uh, um, yeah, I just like that a lot. <laughs> uh, well, a lot of people think that um, this moral, and amb- it's not really a moral ambiguity. Um, it's more of a, a moral grayness, like showing the humanity behind evil and like film and TV and stuff is making it hard for like upcoming generations to be like what's bad and what's good and and all this kind of stuff which i think a they're not giving kids enough credit for who they are but Mm -hmm. we don't you think it's kind of like i said it's it's graying out because some people can't be bad just to be bad or evil can just be evil but also everybody seems to be an anti-hero these days and you're just like oh. yeah and and like there's i think far better ways to do it and uh worse ways to do it like the they have the trope that they joke about a lot where like um like killmonger in the first black panther is a great example of this and a few other ones where it's like actually he makes a lot of great points but they have to like have one scene and and you know everything's on a spectrum right so like the laziness to the, the, the like how how good the points of the villain are to the 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 kind of laziness of how do we justify them being targeted as the bad guy uh sorry i'm getting ahead of myself um the the, so the idea is that like um you you have somebody who's sympathetic who can make a lot of good points and then you're like oh this is a complex villain who like you know has has a good things and then they have like one scene where they're like killing puppies or like burning down an orphanage or whatever and they're yeah. like well i disagree with your uh uh tactics and therefore uh you know we can disregard all of the other things you've said and uh, uh the heroes can come in and return the status quo exactly the way it is right and Again, like uh, I'm not saying Killmonger is the worst example of that. It's just like a nice, good example of it. Like TV shows do it a lot worse, where they'll just be like uh, one scene where uh, I'm I'm blanking on on specific examples, but yeah. but they, they, they'll they'll like um, they'll have a lot of good points, and then they'll just do something way over the top, which kind of invalidates their previous points, and so it's like no one actually goes back and says, okay, uh, uh, Wakanda is back on the, on the world stage. Like they're going to repatriate all of the things that Killmonger was stealing. Right. Like they're going to do this kind of the anti-colonialist stuff that he was doing. Uh, but because, you know, 
there's a more nuanced thing and they don't want to blow things up uh then 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 yeah you, you get that kind of gray wishy-washiness which is like oh they're they're an anti-hero but that's it we're and and this is what that was a long way winded way of saying but i think that the the kind of grayness that happens in Prince Mononoke is better because you everybody explains what where they're coming from and at the end of the day for me um what makes a really good villain even if they are pure evil is that they the our our greatest villains were still human they thought they were doing the right thing or they had a reason for doing those things and they need you know they could absolutely need to be stopped they like our our greatest you know greatest monsters of history stalin and hitler and everybody they were still just human beings and and the fact that a human being could rise to those levels of just pure awfulness is is more uh um i think it's it's more instructive than just oh they got they got bit by an evil gene you know yeah. like oh they, they they're magically evil and and they they have nothing to do with us it's like no 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 fascism lives in us and and it can rise if we let it and so instead of just like oh there's a few bad apples and we get rid of them uh then then everything's fine you know regular human beings could never do anything like that they those are monsters and it's like no those monsters are human beings and more human beings like them might show up and we got to keep keep an eye out for that well um, i guess it's about um I guess like when you see a normal human being and seeing how they got there kind of thing. Like um, I saw a post the other day, you know, reminding people that Walter White's a bad guy. And I was like, yeah, but he said he was a good guy. A, mm -hmm. but B like that, that shows a good example of like, no, this was like a regular guy. He taught, you know, in a school and whatever. And then at the end of the show, he's mur he's just flat out murdering people. Yep. He's a drug kingpin. He's doing all of he's, you know, uh, uh, like lost his family because he's just gone so off the deep end. And it happens relatively gradually in the show, like this, this switch in him. Like, yeah, he starts doing drugs really early, like making it, I should say. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, he doesn't switch to this like horrible conniving sly person until quite a way into the show where he's just like no 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 if I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this and then but by the time he gets there you're just like I know how you got here but at the same time oh my god yeah that kind of thing yeah yeah and 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 I think that like yeah the Walter White's the the like Rick from Rick and Morty and like a few of these other kind of like anti-heroes that are, um, you know, they're not supposed to be, they're supposed to be bad guys, but everybody kind of idolizes them anyway. I think mm -hmm. that is also a problem of framing in the, in the works that they appear in. So like whatever Walter White does, we're always with him. The, like the, the language of the TV show is portraying him as the protagonist. And even if he's not like um, always doing the right things or things we agree with, we kind of like the language of the show, the, like film language is, is telling us that this person is the person we should be like 
sympathizing with, uh, and and his, his um. And, and so like, and he's always the one that we hear what his justifications for are. And we like follow that around. Um, but like uh, the, you look at the, the way Skylar is framed in Breaking Bad and like, she is right. A lot of the time she makes some mistakes. She, she lashes out a few times, but the, the way that the show like turns on her and like, makes it look like she's a villain and she's like uh, doing things to sabotage Walter White. It's like, no, at best, you're both terrible, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, and sometimes yeah. she's in the right, but the way that the show is shot and, and like, uh, I like Breaking Bad a lot. I, I think it's yeah. cool, but, but like, it's just something that you, you're aware of and you can see why people start sympathizing with Walter White, even like way past the point of like a human being in real life, like would have gone far beyond the veil. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a pure, pure like badness and uh, is like, uh, um, but like you stick with him because the show sticks with him. And so you're like, okay, he's still a compelling character. I still want to watch him. I'm still hearing what he's justifying to like his justifications in his head to do where like, if, um, it would be a very like different show if if it, if it followed other characters more. I think like, like if it followed it, Hank or like his son or something. You'd have yeah a different view of that world and how he's reacting to things. Yeah, and not just like a few episodes or a few scenes or things like that where it follows him, but like genuinely like a Game of Thrones style um, multiple viewpoints thing. Mm -hmm. Like if if you saw. And, and we do get this sometimes, you know, especially with Jesse. Jesse's always like the, a good uh, perspective on when uh, Walter is like totally off the deep end, right? Like, uh, uh, but but like if they had done that with other characters as well, it, it, more so, you know, you could have seen like just how psychotic this <laughs> this guy is earlier, maybe. And maybe yeah. that maybe the show wouldn't have been as compelling. You know, it, 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 they were they were making like it was it was kind of a new thing that was was happening in TV. Yeah, bit, so. yeah. Um, and I think maybe that's why in Princess Mononoke it it doesn't come across the same way because you have um what's the what's that guy's name in it um. The guy who, who you technically you don't follow Princess Monoki. You actually follow um Ashitaka. Ashitaka. Yeah. Um, and he's sort of like neutral in between, right? So he, mm -hmm. he comes through here and he doesn't take anybody's side. And yeah. he is just trying to like witness what's happening. And he's and at the, even at the end of the movie, he's like, he's like Yes, we you you killed the the forest spirits and and all this kind of stuff, but you were doing it for this reason. We have to find a balance between nature and what you're doing. So we'll rebuild the town, but also try to figure out how to keep nature yeah. happy. You know, because he's seen both sides. He's like, I know why they build this town. I know why they're doing this iron. I, you know, these women and these men, they were given a place and and to live and to to work and everything but then he also spent time with the gods we'll call them gods yeah. um and 
we understand why they're mad, why they're doing what they're doing, what this place is supposed to be and what it's supposed to look like. And he's like, oh, it's not easy. She's not evil. They're not evil. It's a, uh, it's, it's opinions are different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and like, even that Ashitaka can never go home again is just like such a, a cool thing. Like he, doesn't have to help any of these people he could just leave um but he he's like a perpetual wanderer and so like this is the time this is the place where he feels he can do some good and also like build a home for himself right and uh that's that's interesting um i love the scene where he uh um son breaks into the town tries to murder Lady Oboshi and then uh, gets knocked out and he just is like okay town you've had your say I'm gonna I'm gonna take her and and I'm gonna see what's happening on the other side now and and they shoot him and he just doesn't stop it's yeah. so oh he lifts the gate with his super strong super power arm ah oh, it's so God, good. His rage-filled <laughs> arm, yeah. Yes, except he's not enraged. He's just like he's he's like got the anger, like under it's the like bef years before, uh, you know, the first uh, Avengers movie. This was uh, I, this is the secret. I'm always angry. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. He, he, like, yeah, yeah. He's he's like he he's so he seems so calm but he's able to channel all that rage at what he's seen and how they treated son and just like lift the gate and just like i'm out see ya <laughs> yeah like he's he's such a neutral figure that he's able to pretty much control all of his emotions he's he's not he never seems crazy happy he never seems crazy angry he never he never emotes or lets lets his emotions exceed himself, you know. Yeah. Whereas, like other people, like that you meet throughout, you see them. They're like, "I'm very happy that my husband didn't die," or "I'm very sad that my husband did die," or "I'm very angry because I got kicked out of my house." Like everybody emotes in, in big amounts. Whereas yeah. he's very very calm throughout the whole thing and knows how to like channel those emotions to do something specific like yeah the gate. yeah and and yet he has to because um uh every time he gets angrier the the the, the curse spreads right like he, he is it, it's killing him every time he uses it and so like the first time uh when he shows up in the bandits he's like saving the the uh farmers from the bandits and he just like wings off an arrow and it takes off the guy's yes. head like yeah. he's like oh okay maybe i've got a Maybe I should chill a little bit. Like, <laughs> maybe I gotta take a few deep breaths before I like just jump into, like, even even this. Right again, it, it was like a uh, the the things he was doing. I think were justified again. Like, the, no, while there is like an explanation for why those bandits are attacking, um, that doesn't make it any less wrong or him fighting them any any less righteous but like the fact that he was doing it he like at the at the end he's like you should run away bandit because 
you're gonna die painfully if you continue to fight like he's he's offering already that kind of uh um sympathy to those bandits and is just like no 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 you this is not okay you're not allowed to do this i will stop you but uh you know you don't have to die you don't have to have your arms ripped off while holding a sword you know uh for it and anyway yeah, I think he's the kind of person who knows that there's two sides to every story. And even even if somebody's doing something bad or something that he doesn't agree with, he knows they're they're doing this for a reason, right? Like well, or, or, or that they need to go and like like he did, like got have a like really reevaluate their life, right? Like it doesn't matter if they're doing it right, but they they might be able to be re- like uh there, there might be salvation available for them later if they like figure something out. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, with the, the turning into demons and letting those like undulating worm things consume you and stuff, it's just kind of like a visualization of letting like the weight of the world destroy who you are, I guess. And so I also think he is trying to keep other people from turning into that demon keep them yeah. from turning into this like bad destructive version that kills everything around them or, or everything it, they touch you know yeah so because he i guess he already knows what that is like because it touched him and he already lost his village and lost his family and he's wandering mm-hmm. around and he's killed some people and he's just like oh, this is a bad thing. And he's just yeah. trying his best to like stop himself and stop other people from getting to that point. Supposedly. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's it's like uh, until the very, very end when when he's cured, uh, like that, that scene where they, uh, the forest spirit brings him back to life um, but doesn't cure the, the curse is like, it's a big deal because he he is still ha- he still has to live with it um with with the consequences of what lady Aboshi's people did to the to the boar spirit and then he got you know infected by it and and so like he he was still having to to live with that even after doing all of this stuff and then rightly i think that the the other spirits are like well, why does he get to come back to life? You know, <laughs> it's like, what? Well, why does the forest spirit rescue him or resurrect him instead of all these other people or save all these other things? And it's because it's like not, it's not there to solve problems. The forest spirit isn't. It's it's there to like just exist and and like uh, continue this like cycle, and and everybody else has to like it. it it's kind of a, a like an uncaring universe, even though it is a god. It doesn't act in the way that like uh, you know a moralizing god would, where it's like, oh, these are the bad people, we're going to smite them. These are the good people, and we're going to lift them up, or I don't know, send them into the desert for forty years, or whatever gods do. <laughs> uh, all, all of that talk just reminds me of that uh, you know the Futurama episode with Bender in space and he meets God. That's all it yeah. reminds me of. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because because at the end of it, he's just like, uh, what? What does the 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 
the the nebula with the blinking lights say something about if, they, you know, if, if um if you've done things right people won't be sure you've done anything at all yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah um and then that's kind of how it works i mean you know um because you you do have to do things for yourself still you can't just like you know and i think and i think that's what the thing is is that that um the the boar god and all that kind of stuff they didn't actually like go to the forest spirit to be healed right they were yeah. infected mm. and they took off whereas like you know prince monica dragged him there and was like he's here yeah want to do something do something one of them does he's uh um near the end and he's like leading all, all of uh Jigo's men to the forest spirit because he's like no it's cool I, like all these uh creepy looking uh you know mercenaries in boar skins these are my people we're all gonna go to the forest spirit we're gonna have a great time he's gonna heal me and everything will be great uh and and like going to the forest spirit with uh that kind of uh anger also is is like uh growing his infection the like the worms keep coming out of him and like son gets consumed by them Mm -hmm. but that's after that's after he dies though right where because he collapses then he dies and that's when the the rage takes over isn't it yeah yeah Mm -hmm. but he is going to the um uh to the forest spirit to be healed or to ask for help and and uh ask for help specifically against the humans i think but uh in yeah i do have one question about that part so he's all bleeding out or whatever and then the weird dudes show up in like the skins of the other boards there's so much vomited blood in this movie it's oh my god there's so much and and it's just like just pouring out of all kinds of holes in his body and all kinds of stuff and I was I was confused for a minute, but I think I get it. like the reason why he gets the energy again to go forward is because that boar is super old and he's blind and he's going mm-hmm. by the scent of the skins, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, and the blood they've got uh, boar blood on them, so you know, like the classic kind of hunter. Like I don't know anything about hunting, but like the the kind of trope of you like cover yourself in the scent of your prey, and so that's what they've done is they, they've like cloak themselves in the boar scent they kind of look like him and he, he can't see that they look all creepy because he's blind um and uh um yeah and, and so he they, he thinks that he's got a big army behind him uh and he's gonna have like this big last stand and so like that feeling of uh um like i'm gonna have i'm gonna i'm gonna have a like Miyazaki, obviously, who wrote this, directed it, blah, 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 uh, is, like, hugely anti-war pacifist, right? Like, it's in all of his movies. Um, most, yeah. Um, and so, like, just the idea of, of like, we're going to have a heroic battle is, n- like, it, it, something that he would be against. And, like, I think that that's what we're seeing here, too, is that, like, the idea of leading a last like a charge of the light brigade or whatever um kind of like big militaristic final uh showdown to show the humans who's boss is like 
being actively punished both by the spreading of the of the curse inside of him and also that like is he's not only uh not helping or going to have the the showdown he wants but he's actually actively working against he becomes a a useful idiot right it's like like the 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 hunters um are able to goad him into showing uh them where the forest spirit is so that they can shoot its head off because he is is so consumed by this need to have have the this big uh showdown in this in this big warrior attack so and this like victory that he's like yeah craving yeah. right well i guess yeah. it also shows that like the futility of war kind of thing like mm -hmm. how dark and horrible and pointless a lot of it is you know mm -hmm. um which i guess is a very it's a not it's a very non-north american way of thinking about war i mean like don't get me wrong there are american movies and stuff like that where they're like yeah, oh, yeah. war is horrible war is gross but yeah. you know most of the time it's just like war we're winning yeah woo. you know it's just like this you know thing of like valor and you know makes you great if you you go to war and you come back and you've done this heroic heroic thing um yeah yeah where this shows you're just like yeah you could think that but you're gonna die so mm. mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah it gets very um uh dark um i also yeah. think that's one of the reasons why i actually got turned off of a lot of anime was because it was just unpleasant if if you know yep. what i mean like yeah like, yeah my only note for this movie is like those worm things undulating. It makes me uncomfortable. That's literally my only note for this movie. Yeah. And um, also, I I just kind of tuned out after a little while because I don't know, like um, the way of storytelling, and I guess maybe the way the use of the music or whatever is is very different than what we're used to. And I just found myself bored with it like mm -hmm. like the story's there and i was putting it together and i'm like oh this is a story blah 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 blah. fine i get the story that's not the issue i was just like okay are we are we there yet like am i actually yep. like marching through the forest with you in real time like what's going on yeah yeah you know, uh, you know uh sometimes especially you know when you're 90 minutes into a movie already and then there's like a slow scene where the one of the forest spirits like the little uh little dudes with the heads just like rotates slowly and then clacks you're like okay okay we can move up the pace a little bit exactly. but i mean again the 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 like again yeah for me it, it it's perfect the pacing is great but uh, like that's not that's not everybody's thing and uh that's just that's just what I get out, out of the movie. So anyway, I'm glad to have uh, come on again with a lot to talk about with that one. If if uh, if you didn't have a lot, but uh, yeah. the the um, I don't know if, if we want to move on to the other, the Princess Bride, but like we want to talk about some nice uh, clean moral lines. Of, like, <laughs> <laughs> villain, who's a villain and who isn't? <laughs> that is true. Princess Bride is, is pretty black and white throughout the yeah. whole thing. This person's good and this person's bad. <laughs> this person's good who's pretending to be bad, but they're clearly good. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. 
But technically, Inigo Motoya and uh, Fezzik are like they start as kind of villainy, anti-hero-y things, but uh, they, they they it's pretty clear very very early on there. They're yeah, good guys. But also that they have like a moral compass. They're like, yeah. no, we're not yeah, we're kidnapping somebody, but we, we didn't plan to kill her. Like that just seems right. crazy. And and like, oh, I'm supposed to fight you, but I'm gonna give you like a proper chance to fight. Because <laughs> I'm I am not cheating in any yeah. way, you know. And they're both and they just like talk it out as they go. And they're just like, Oh yep. man, I get this, I get this. Oh, um man. Well, I think, I think too, sorry, I'm going to go back to Prince Monica for just one second. Yeah, no, 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 sorry, I didn't, uh, didn't mean to cut us off. No, it was, it's just like, you know, with these two movies, it's, I think Prince Monica, also the dialogue suffers from like the lost in translation thing, mm. because the dialogue is so bland and choppy that that might also be one of the reasons why I keep, you know tuning out of it whereas like princess bride it's so pithy it's so on it's so it's has everything that it just so keeps portable. you yeah every single yeah uh line is is like amazing like you said you were you were just reciting every line as you were mm-hmm. watching it um and then like also to the to the comments about the cast where you felt like you know in in the dub at least the the um some of the casting didn't re- really you know, sit well with you. The casting in Princess Bride is unbelievable. unbelievable. It's just yeah. every single uh, character is just like you look at them once and you're like, oh, I know this. They're they're there. Yeah. Um, you know, Andre the Giant is just like amazing. Vasily mm-hmm. uh, uh, as yeah. Well, this John even like down to like the albino. He's in it for like yes. five, two minutes, and you know, like that's starting off with like the gravelly voice, clears his throat, has a normal voice. You're just like, what? Yep. You're amazing. It's, you know, just down to him. You're just like every single person that they they have on screen, just saying yeah. anything is just perfect. It's absolutely, yeah. absolutely perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what's what's incredible is that like because uh, it was based on. Uh, the novel by William Goldman, and then yeah. they got him to do the adaptation, yeah. which is very cool too. And like, obviously, he's amazing at dialogue, and then so, and he's amazing at screenplays. And so, like, him adapting his own novel to, you know, not every writer can write a screenplay the same way they can write a novel, but like, because he he, it was his work, and also he he was an incredible screenwriter. Is like, have you ever fantastic. read the book? I haven't. No, you have not. Okay, so I've not. I have, and one of the greatest things I've ever found out in my whole life. Oh, this book was the interstitials with Columbo and um, yes, you know, are part of the book. Yeah, yeah, and I was reading the book. I'm just like, excuse me, this was not just something he just like wrote in to just introduce his story and blah 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 blah. No, no, no. The shit where the grandpa shows up and the kid's sick and they're having a little back and forth and then he gets into the story. All of that stuff is in the book. Because it's it, the novel's like like fake abridged, right? Like it's supposed yes, to it's be fake abridged. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's like theoretically there's this 
pure version of the story that exists and that that the actual novel is like somebody who's abridged it and taken out all the all quote-unquote boring bits so it's it's like the best part of yeah. the novel but it's yeah and, and so like that's uh yeah it's it's yeah. it's a it's a cool idea uh and and uh and, and yeah, that was, that, yeah, that was the thing that blew my mind when I read the mm-hmm. book. I was just like, what? "What? This is way too cool." <laughs> I mean, there are definitely like, there's, there's, of course, like some parts from the book that were edited out, like you know, some yeah. stops and like you know, some quote unquote boring parts, whatever, have been taken out. But I, I read the the book like almost ten years ago now, so I don't remember exactly what's missing, um, mm-hmm. but most of it is there. And also in the book. I got the I have the paperback and apparently I don't know the way it's written it seems like there was supposed to be another book um, okay. but I don't know if this or maybe this is just part of the like abridged version be like oh and the sequel is <laughs> supposed to be this but there's a chapter at the end that continues after the end of the movie and it's happy and sad at the same time oh um and it's and it's and like I and I was like I also want to read this book. So, but it doesn't apparently exist. Huh. It makes me sad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just love this movie. It, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's unbelievable. I actually um, didn't watch it until much later in my life. Like, I didn't watch it as a kid. Um, and uh, And so, like, I watched it for the first time i think in college or maybe wow, very barely. late high school yeah, yeah and mm. and but like every time i watch it it's just better and better and it's like it, it's one of those things that uh um the the more i know about the more other movies i see the more i appreciate this movie. you know like it, it it's so it's so incredible and it plays with the tropes so well and it is just like it knows exactly what it is and what it's doing and what it wants to do. And it does those things so effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's Uh, like watching the movie as well. It's like, you could see how easily it could have gone wrong because it's kind of campy. It's kind of movie looking and all this kind of stuff. Like, especially like scenes of like the fire swamp and stuff where you have the the stupid R.O.U.S., which is clearly (laughs) just a dude in a suit on all fours. It's so awkward watching him just kind of like scuttle around. Exactly. But, (laughs) you know, but then Wesley gets up and he just like stabs him with the, the, the sword and you're just like, oh, dying stupid rodent and it's yeah. just so good but you could clearly see how that scene could have just gone if the acting was off or the angle was off or how it was cut together wrong yep. it could have just fallen flat you'd have been like so what's the big deal or you don't care or like the the sword fighting scene clearly on like it, it looks like a play almost and like yeah. if the banter didn't go well and if they didn't have like good chemistry on screen you could see how it could have fallen flat and been tacky you know or like if they overdid the choreography or something and it just works so so well that mm-hmm. it's like shocking to me yeah it didn't think, do bad yeah yeah and i mean it did it didn't do great in the box office like i think it was one of these long tail movies right where it like it, it uh you know it came out and people were like didn't quite know what to make of it and then it just like home video cult classic like you know it, it, it 
the longevity of it obviously speaks for itself but it's like uh, uh uh but i think a lot of that too is is like not just everything has to go right but that's where like the casting is so perfect too right where like the the billy crystal shows up to do the miracle <laughs> max stuff yeah. like but but even just uh yeah the first um uh fight scene uh at the top of the what are the, the clips, clips of, of insanity, insanity. Yeah. yeah uh it's just like they both like you have to have two actors who can both sell the line i am not left-handed <laughs> <laughs> and and like also they have to sell the fight in between where they're like mm. they, they're like they're still in a fairy tale story so so it's it, like you know they're 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 still like you know play fighting sword sword fighting you know stage combat like you say it's mm-hmm. like a play but but they they're still like in it they like they you watch it you believe that those two characters are actually like sort dueling it out and and they're like selling it, it, it i don't know i'm, I'm not explaining myself well, but no like, but like you, no yeah. i get it because like even at the especially at the end of the fight when when um indigo is getting frustrated that he's losing and Mandy Patinkin clearly looks frustrated on his face. Yeah. And he's just like, I spent my whole life fucking doing this. I should be able to beat you. And then he yep. fails. And he's just like, just kill me. I've just wasted my whole life. Just, just fucking kill me. And you're like, you believe that. You're just like, yeah. yeah, he wants to die because he spent, what, 20-something years training to beat this one dude. And he can't beat random dude who climbed off a cliff. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I have I have a question uh, that I I actually just occurred to me on this like rewatching of it. Um, so so we have the sword fight, and then like Fezic is there, and he's like throwing rocks, and then they decide to like have a little wrestling match, and, and he overpowers them. Um, but then the famous Ioke power scene, right, where it's like uh, figuring out. I always forget that. Wesley suggests the idea of these two goblets of wine, one of them with a uh, with powder. the iodine powder with the powder poison in it, because Vasily is sitting there with like a full uh, um, picnic set up with the two glasses ready. So yeah. like I, I like I see that and I'm like, aha! Of course he's he's waiting for wesley to show up so that he can propose this battle of wits but it's not him he's he's apparently just having a fucking picnic to be honest i think he was just he was just tired he's like i need a break i want to eat an apple and drink a little wine and then he sees him coming around the corner and he's just like ah crap where's my knife and just puts it to her neck kind of thing i think that's what happened yeah but he puts in two glasses (laughs) it's like what he's gonna use princess well, she's gonna I have know. a sip too i, I mean. guess i guess yeah <laughs> it's just it, anyway it's just like it's one of those things that like it goes by so fast that it doesn't matter i'm i'm along for the ride i'm along for the story i, I like the structure of the first we're gonna challenge uh indigo then we're gonna challenge fezzik then of course there's gonna be a challenge with mm-hmm. vasily is uh um is amazing and yeah. uh and it's only uh I looked this up. It's only six years after uh, my dinner with Andre. So Wallace Shawn <laughs> is like. 
<laughs> just uh, like selling the shit. I actually saw him once uh you know play in uh uh New York we like years ago obviously before the pandemic but uh it was just incredible to see him like act in you know a play just like doing acting stuff and yeah. and like this this guy who is just shouting inconceivable and just like at 110 percent in this movie yeah. can also do the the nuance of like he's a really impressive stage actor yeah. and also he's just like don't start a land war in asia <laughs> and so like i i think i think that's one of the things that works for this he's he's like he sort of stage projects in that scene you know like mm -hmm. his with his like facial movements are so overly exaggerated and he's so loud and he's like so into it but with the camera closed up you're just like this guy's fucking manic yeah and then he dies and you're just like what that's crazy <laughs> his death is also amazing he's just like Ur. Boink. Yeah. It's kind of it's it's kind of sad when Prince Humberdinck shows up. They just leave his body in the woods. They're just like, oh, he's he's it must be done about an hour now. Let's keep going. And they just like ride off past him. I'm like, you're just you're just leaving him there, okay? Yeah, yeah. And then I think before it's revealed that Humperdinck hired him uh, to do this whole crazy ass scheme. Yeah. <laughs> Like, he just wants to start a war with Gilder for some reason. We're just like, all right, is yeah. this like a WMD business? Like, is this just for the economy? Like, what what's happening here? I don't know. He but wants I, to rule the world. Try ruling the world. I guess. I mean, but he's in. So he's in Italy, right? Yeah, because they talk about like okay. Sicily so and 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 um, uh, not Venice. What's the other one? The other V place. So, so yeah, we, we were listing because uh, I, I think that this is a meme I've seen before on online. But yeah, the uh, Leah and I were just listing off all of the real world places that exist in this fantasy world. Because yeah, Florin and Gelder are. Uh, uh, Leah pointed this out to me that uh, they're both um, currencies. Like the, a Florin was a was a coin, mm -hmm. probably from Florence. I don't know. Uh, and Gilder was was also a, a coin of some kind. So those are the two fake kingdoms. And obviously, you know, there's no fire swamp or cliffs of insanity in real real world Italy. Uh, but... It might have been back in the day. All right, fair enough. I'm a <laughs> geologist. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like um, uh, uh, Vasilis uh, from he says he's from Sicily. Sicilian, the, never, yes. Yeah, never, never bet against the Sicilian when life when, is on the line. Uh, when death is involved, death is on the line. <laughs> um, and I, I have approximate knowledge of many quotes. Um, but uh, th then, like he says, don't get into a land war in Asia. So Asia mm. exists, I guess. Yeah. Um, he found Fezic in Greenland, unemployed. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, where where else? Oh, Australia exists because yes. that's They're where all the criminals. criminals are. Yeah, that's where Ian um, Powder comes from. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that was all the ones we we noticed. Um, oh, in Spain, of course, because uh, uh, oh, yes. that's where Indigo Montoya is from. So yes. he's a Spaniard. So like, they, they've traveled from Spain to 
fairy tale land. <laughs> Some somewhere in there. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I have to go find the Cliffs of Insanity myself just to look up and be like, "Ooh, that is tall." You know. Yeah. I, I would have to take a boat through these infested waters and just to make sure it doesn't capsize, but it'd be fine. <laughs> yes. Oh, that big eel. <laughs> yeah, it truly is a a fantasy land that has all of the cool things in it. You know, we we made wizards, we made a giant giant ro uh, rodents, flames just bursting out of the earth. There's no dragons. We do. Mm -hmm. It. I mean, that's not really a dungeon he's kept in, right? That's just like a underground layer. I I think it's more of a dungeon than like you know the kind of weird labyrinths that sometimes exist as dungeons but you know it's a mm -hmm. it's an underground place where you get locked in and potentially tortured i think yeah. i think that counts it counts as a dungeon okay and there's yeah. a castle of course you know yep. uh talk of pirates you know um great uh what, what's the what's the guy who was before wesley is the the dread pirate roberts it's like um oh my god oh, his, what was his name, his name? Something it was something so stupid when he was just like, the, I the am one, actually this. Yeah, the two two pirates before him is is Cumberbund. Cumberbund, uh, yes, yeah. But but I, I can't remember what the middle one was. It was it was like uh oh, it was Ryan. It was Ryan. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's such a normal name. Like this yeah, crazy. yes. And um, and it might be Indigo at the end. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but there's just so much in this movie that is um wonder like i was already talking about the sets where half the sets are like just outside clearly mm -hmm. outside whatever fine and then and like another quarter of the sets just look like a stage yeah, like a, then, a Star Trek style soundstage where they're like they, they have like one corner of a place. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you're just like, what is happening here? And then there's the sets like in the castle and stuff, which almost look like they were filming in an actual castle. And I was like, why is everything because style, but also for each scene, the background completely works, you know. Like if they yeah. changed anything, like made it too realistic or too too fake looking in, in any direction, it would just ruined everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like because like there's even like the part where um, Wesley just just had the the miracle pill or whatever, and they're like on the wall, and it's like yeah. that wall is cardboard, whatever. <laughs> looking over, and you're just like that is so cheesy, but I love it. And, and also, it's like you're you're. Um... Like for me at least, I'm I'm not paying attention so much to the wall. I'm paying attention to the amazing physical comedy of him flopping his head around <laughs> and then being like, Oh, there's no possible way we could get it past 60 men. I mean, not unless we had a wheelbarrow. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh, if we have a wheelbarrow, that that changes everything. <laughs> Without the wheelbarrow, he needs a month. With the wheelbarrow, hmm, give me five minutes. You're like, What? Yeah. What? <laughs> Uh, the Holocaust cloak and so I remember the yeah. book. They they mention how he gets the Holocaust cloak, but that's cut out of the movie. Yeah, it's almost um, funny where he's just like, oh yeah, I, I have one of those. It's like we've never heard about it before. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, he did a miracle <laughs> like, Yeah, it just fits so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Fantastic. Like, I love it. While he's bringing people back from the dead, why don't you just give us a couple of other things, you know? <laughs> I mean, my question is, why aren't more pills covered in chocolate? That's all. Give me an aspirin covered in chocolate. It'll be much easier to take. What is uh, what is the problem? You know, I think I think that that's a, a million dollar idea that uh, we could get get going, which is just like literally over the counter uh, medication, but dipped in chocolate. And everything. But like dip, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Is there this okay? Like yes, yes it is. <laughs> Come on, give me chocolate covered aspirin. Yeah, we got chocolate covered espresso beans. Why not? Uh, Mm-hmm. Chocolate covered, uh, yeah. um, uh, w- w- uh, Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it tastes good, and now I can think. Let's go, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think I think this goes with the stop trying to make drugs more attractive to children thing, but at the same time, adults still have to suffer while taking things to make themselves feel better it's horrible yeah 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 and you know the 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 other workarounds like washing it down with whiskey it's like you feel like a a a little bit skeezy and so if it was just like coated in chocolate you have like a little chocolate fountain that you dip your meds in you know and uh maybe follow it up yeah with a marshmallow or something like you know how they do the gel capsules like the liquid on the inside or whatever why and they also have chocolates that have liquor on the inside it's all liquid and stuff do it the same way oh my god oh it makes things so much easier yeah once in a while if i gotta get like tylenol or something i ask them i'm just like look how many children chewable tylenol can i take for one tylenol they're like four i was like fine i will chew four tylenol instead of taking one tylenol i will do that it makes my life easier. Now, if it's you, just chocolate, boom. Still on the Flintstone vitamins? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> if I get Flintstone vitamin, I will just eat the whole thing and poop chalk for a week. We can't. We can't do that. It's No, it's too much. It's too much. Um, not going that far. <laughs> yes, I am yep. a child with money yeah. sometimes. There we go. Hey. Yeah. But also, you could just buy candy. But that's I can. Too. Yes, that, that also <laughs> works. That also works. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh Prince Humberdink is oh my god, he is he is bad for no reason. Yes. But in like the the I don't even it, it, he's just so grimy. Yeah. And you even realize it even before you know he's bad. You know he's bad. You know what I mean? As soon as he like comes yep. on screen tracking, and you're just like, "No, I don't like you." Mm-hmm. Just yeah, the worst. God, he does such a such a good and job. What what always like amazes me about this movie is that you've got Christopher Guest right there, and he's not like like he's amazing. Like like everybody is is so well cast, and and he can do that kind of like rye like just inject the tiniest amount of humor into what are basically like really straightforward lines like he doesn't have a lot of comedic beats like you know he just is introduced looking menacing with six fingers on his hand Uh um but uh you know you you don't need a christopher guest to to be that character but like it it just is is that much 
funnier when when there's just like an eye twitch or an eye movement or like a yeah well just... my my favorite part is when he first puts on like the machine to torture wesley wesley yeah. turns on me just like how do you feel yeah <laughs> like oh my god yeah <laughs> yeah it's fantastic it's it's just they just manage to get like everybody hit all of the right notes at the right time in the right way you yes. know like there's no question about anybody's motives with anything that they're saying or doing at any point because everybody yeah. does it just so so well mm-hmm. yeah again we're just we're just praising this movie it's it's fine I, that's that's great it's there's like this movie's been around a long time a lot of people i think know what they feel about it and it's mm-hmm. i think it's just nice to gush about something that's great yeah, uh yeah it's it's um it, like the the okay i have another question which again occurred to me when when i was watching it this time is that so so um they tell the story he the man with the uh six fingers on his right hand came and ordered the sword and then demanded it for like what, a tenth or a fifth of the, the or agreed upon price and it's an amazing sword and then he kills his father um and like you know cuts uh an eagle on both cheeks but then he leaves the sword yeah that's one part i never understood <laughs> but i like the movie too much not to think about it exactly no i think that that's actually really that's a really good point is that it's like it doesn't matter like okay. that it that that because that's not what the movie's about it's not it's like it, it, it's what's what's better is like the feelings and the and the the revenge plot like when when he stands up after pulling the knife out of his gut and he's like oh like, what's what's really awesome too is that like it's, it's comedic the whole way through and then you get to i want my father back you son of a bitch oh my god like, yes yeah 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 like you genuinely feel for this guy who is like making jokes about like uh oh it's uh let me explain no it's too much let me sum up like, like <laughs> that was 10 minutes ago and suddenly yeah. you're like oh god get up yeah now you're you're at an oscar-winning moment you yeah. know you're getting the revenge you've always been seeking and yeah. you're gonna do it and it's it's justified like oh yeah. yes yeah yeah get, get you a mandy patinkin who can do both he's so great i think it's very i think it's very sad when people say like like mandy be thinking oh are you talking about the guy from i don't know something other than princess bride and i'm just like oh yeah yeah. it's princess bride guys just just princess bride you don't you don't talk like yes he's been in these other things but mm-hmm. we say Princess Brad. That's just yep. what it is. Apparently <laughs> you know? very difficult to work with on the first two seasons of Criminal Minds. You know? Yes. <laughs> yes. And he got out of there. Apparently it was yep. on both sides. Like, he was difficult to work with because he didn't get along with anybody. And mm-hmm. then um, because he had a certain way of doing things, apparently. And I'm not, I'm not justifying, like, asshole behavior or anything. But he was just like, well, I was an asshole because they weren't doing anything right. And then they're just like, yeah. he was just being an asshole. And they're like, okay, just leave then. Done. Yep. But then he came back and he did um, that other show with Claire Danes. Ah, 
movies are connected. Um, the one with the guy who comes back from war and stuff, and she cries a lot. Oh God, was that movie? That show. Ugh. It's a show I should really just know off the top of my head, but I just don't right now. Um, I think you need to give me a little bit more if I'm um, going to try and help you out with she this. She does a lot of ugly face. There's a lot of war- Homeland. Homeland. Oh. There you go. I also did not watch that show, so maybe I, that's I haven't watched more. any of it actually, so I don't know anything about it. I, I've watched like 10 minutes of one episode, and I was just like, I don't know what's happening. Because Manny Batinkin was talking to Claire Danes and she was crying for some reason. Then it was cutting to like the redheaded dude and he was like in a bunker somewhere. And I was just like, I'm okay. And then change the channel. But that was that was it. My man. She just did a lot of crying. But I think part of her character in the show is that she's got like she's bipolar or something. I don't I don't know what it is. I, I keep saying things of a show that I, I haven't watched. I should just stop. I'm gonna stop. Point is, Manny Petticket is great in this movie, and we don't have to look at anything else. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> Absolutely agree with you. Yeah. Um, what other, do I have any more notes? Well, I already talked about, oh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was, we're going to go back to the sword fight on the top of the Cliffs of Insanity. Yeah. I just want to say, I miss when movies and stuff just showed the action yep. like because the camera just sat back yes it followed them along but it sat back and was like they are doing these things and you could just see what they were doing yeah whereas i find a lot of like yes there are some movies where it works and and but there's a lot of movies where there's an action sequence and they like cut everything so fast together yep. you have no idea what's happening you're just like i i guess something happened you know like or like they yeah. be just so overly complicated what they're doing Mm-hmm. That you're just like, I don't get it, and I can't get into it because I don't get it. Whereas like yeah. this, you see everything, and you're just like, good. Oh my god. Yep. Yep. Even the like, clearly like again the the kind of over the topness of like the f- sword goes flying up off the top of the screen, and then is pretty clearly just drops from stuff like somebody <laughs> just off screen, <laughs> but like so back into his hand. But it's like. They did that, you know, in front of yeah. the camera. Like, they, it, it was practical and it worked. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, one of my favorite uh, scenes, like, w- 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 totally different genre, obviously, but uh, that kind of action stuff is uh, in Atomic Blonde, actually, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great movie for a lot of reasons. So at, many least, reasons. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the fight scene in the stairwell, where it just goes on forever and the, the camera doesn't move very much and it's just like the two of them beating the shit out of each other and they're getting exhausted and and they're like it is a brutal scene and you just like you can feel it and you can see it all happening in camera and it's not yeah like those quick cuts to show every punch or whatever it's anyway yeah. it's no just, i know like and I think that's also one of the reasons why that movie works so well, Atomic Blonde. I mean, is that yeah. there's, I think there's what, there's three proper like fight scenes, I think, in it. Mm. And that are like lengthy, not like two seconds, like punch a guy, walk away, right, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like, but like a scene. And it is, they quote unquote make it realistic, 
because as they're going through the scene, the, the, clearly the two people involved are getting tired and are getting hurt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're bleeding, they're bruising, they're whatever, they're slowing down, they're breathing heavily, they're just like, holy shit, why won't you just drop? Like, God, I've punched you so many times, please stop fighting back, <laughs> you know? And it's yeah. so, so clear that you're like, oh, wow. And then you're watching it, and because it's just, also, like, a lot of them seem like one shot, of course, they 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 have tricks where, you know, they cut in some yeah, ways. Yeah. But it also seems like one continuous shot a lot of the time. And you just see everything. You see how they go from here to here and why they're in this condition at the bottom of the stairs compared to the top of the stairs. Yeah. And it's fantastic. And it's... Yeah. yeah. You understand the geography of the fight, which is the same thing in in, in uh, um, Princess Bride, where like, okay, we're on the edge of this cliff. We multiple times you see them fight to the edge of the cliff right like oh i uh, you know why are you laughing i you know as as an ego is is forced nearly to the edge of the cliff it's like oh because i i am not left-handed and then he switches and then they fight back and then suddenly uh um wesley is is like going to the edge of the cliff and so you can like understand the stakes of it uh in the same way as as yeah atomic blonde too where, where you like and that movie also has a lot of like tropes and heightened like non-reality and things like that the, the, there's like a lot of stuff in there that that isn't realistic it, it, it is intentionally a heightened spy movie uh that that like but uh but it, in obviously different ways but like the the fight scenes know what they're about which is you like introduce the characters who are fighting you introduce what the stakes are for the fight and then you see the fight play out and you're like are rooting for the person because you understand why they're why they're fighting or they're and 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 how the fight is actually progressing so that there's like narr narrative arcs within the fight you're like oh this person's got the upper hand right now and like again with the princess bride they're so it's so elevated because it's literally like, okay, this person's losing. And then they switch hands, uh, you know, to go back to the anime thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, and then Goku takes off his weighted uh, training, like, you know, sleeves. And suddenly he's uh, way more powerful. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> like, you thought I was, uh, you were like, we were on even footing, but it turns out I was going easy on you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, too, like, as you said, you would think they introduced like the stakes, they introduced whatever, but they also introduced the space, right? Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, like that scene, especially like on the Cliffs of Insanity, you see the whole space several times. Like, yep. this is where this fight is going to happen, right? Yep. And in Atomic Blonde, too, like that stairwell fight, you see the stairs. Like, she gets out of, I think she was like in the elevator coming out of a door, and you see the stair. Like, they show you the stairs yeah yeah they introduce this is the space that this thing is going to happen so like yep. the space is like a character in the scene like it's part mm -hmm. of this fight and you're they're gonna have to like use it and, and play with it and, and do all these things to make like this scene work and yep. it it works so well like as we said like there are two very different genres but they almost do the same thing to make those fight sequences still seem intense without being choppy and confusing well and, and not just choppy and confusing but like serve a narrative purpose in in the thing like we we learn so much about like while they're showing 
the scene exactly as you're describing in the cliffs of, on the cliffs of insanity like that's the scene where they're talking uh like one we like we see the, the initially where it's like okay uh, your instructions are to stay here um and murder him or like either either have him fall or murder him when he gets up here it's like okay so we've learned something about that and then we see him not follow those instructions and meanwhile the camera is like showing us kind of what the ledge looks like and then he gets up to the top we've already learned that he's like not just uh not comfortable with murdering princess buttercup but is like intentionally helping uh wesley up so that he can have a proper sword fight um and then like he gets he has him sit down and catch his breath which is like the best character one not the best because there's so many amazing an amazing character beats yeah but also again we're seeing more of that scene we're seeing where the what the what the set looks like uh because it's not that big <laughs> as you also pointed out <laughs> so by the time they actually start fighting yeah you're you, like it's not like we've they've wasted the time or like they they did something tricky to get us to show us the scene like they, that was all progressing the story we were learning more about the characters we were laughing because they were making jokes like all of that stuff was happening while we were also subconsciously being introduced to the geography and then be like okay now we're gonna have a fight you know exactly what this place looks like yeah 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 and, 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 and you know yeah. that they're both like honorable witty people by the time that they start fighting yeah. Well, and, and you brought up a good point is that this movie is really good at um, explaining people and purposes without exposition. So, yeah. like, even when you first meet um, Fezzik and, and Indigo and Vizzini, you are like, oh, no, these two are friends and that guy's just their boss and he's he's a yeah. jerk and they're they're fucked. Right. And then you get to Clisson and Sandy and you realize, no, Indigo is not just like a bloodthirsty criminal. You know, he has morals and he's like, he has a, he has a certain way of doing things, right? Yeah. Then also you get to, you, you get to Fezzik when, you know, Vizzini tells him like how he kills people. And he's like, that sounds horrible. Why would I kill a person like that? That, just, <laughs> that I, The way I do things apparently is a bad thing. So then he yeah, doesn't to do it not, that way. Quote unquote, my way is not very sporting. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know. And like, yeah. and as you meet people throughout the thing, they show their colors without, yeah. you know, just being like, you know, I'm a, I'm a good person, and blah blah blah. They're like through their actions and through their conversations, you figure that out surprisingly quickly. At that, it's not, it doesn't take half the movie to be like, oh no, he's doing this for this reason, and he's really this kind of person. It's right very quickly, you know, two seconds, and you're like. I got it. I know who these people are, and I know who these people are, and I know who these people are. So, yeah. yeah, you don't you don't have to have a lost style like uh, forty five minutes where we're constantly cutting back to like a, a traumatic thing that happened in their past that like totally explains why they're doing the things they're doing in the present. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, we, we it's it's very clear. And and like when you think about it, there's a lot of complex characters. Like not complex necessarily, but like. Uh, the characters aren't necessarily complex but there's a lot of different um uh character interactions and like interrelationships right so like you say that they, they uh this was like the bo their boss um and and so like they ha and then they also have their own relationship 
with each other, like Fezzik and, and Nigoto do, and then um, uh, they like learn to uh, like appreciate Wesley, and they have opinions about the you know guy with the six uh, six fingered man. Like it's almost like there's two protagonists in this story, right? Like there's two separate stories that are going on. So that's like it's just a lot of stuff that you have to like tell the audience you're like introducing new characters that it's like oh there's miracles there's miracle max like and, and he has a wife and like we don't have a lot of time to like spend with them but like immediately you get the character you get what they're what they're doing it's just i don't know it's very efficient and uh capable to like introduce yeah. all of these different relationships yeah and there's i guess there's lots of characters in here and stuff and and uh usually it's with this many characters and like i mean really there's only one b story but there's sort of like mini stories going along the whole time because mm -hmm. like you have the story of like buttercup and wesley yes right. then you have you know indigo trying to um to revenge his father's death you have that um then you have the plot of prince humperdinck going on trying yeah trying to start the murder start, start the murders the and yeah. stuff and then you have like all these little people who have their own like background like no the albino doesn't really have a background but he's kind of creepy and it lives in the dungeon whatever. yeah and then you have like you get the whole backstory of miracle, miracle max and his wife in like two seconds it happens right. it's in there you you get like you meet the the guy who's um the head of the guard who's supposed to protect yeah. the building and you you find out like oh no he's in charge he's got a spy network you know but he's kind of like he's scared about things and blah 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 but you only, he only says like 10 words yeah yeah he's, he's only twice. like three scenes yeah you know <laughs> but you like... get so much information because of like right. acting style and like how the the dialogue is so good and like how the how just like the space they use is and you're, you're like oh this is cool i like this <laughs> you know what key tear his arms off oh you mean this key <laughs> <laughs> it's and like it's it's just it's so perfect like even if you go to like the priest who's got a speech impediment for some reason and you're just like <laughs> Yeah. Like it's for no reason, yeah, but it yeah. fits perfectly somehow, and it works. Yeah, it's, yeah. We, we need to have like the kind of long drawn out marriage scene that's in a lot of movies, right? It's a trope, <laughs> but like, how are we gonna make it funny and like without introducing a bunch of different things or whatever? It's like, like oh, he's just gonna talk in a funny voice. Like, <laughs> done. It's like, all right, Check done. Mark, you know, um, and even like the king, like you, you, he's in two scenes. He says two words, which is "she kissed me," and yeah. you're just like, "Oh my god!" So your son's just an asshole, and you were probably like a great king. You're just old, and he took over. Got yeah. it? You know, like it's, and it's just these small, small scenes, but you get to know everything about all of the characters. Yeah, and I find sometimes that's a thing. That's a real problem in movies for today. Like, it may not be more information than this movie, but they just don't know how to do it without making it seem just like heavy and bloated and unnecessary. And, yeah, and no, no, no. It, yeah. It, like, you need to be able to like understand very quickly, especially you know this is still ostensibly a kids' movie. Like, mm. it needs to be communicated very effectively. Like, this is who we're talking about. This person wants this thing, and so every scene you understand why they're fighting you understand what they're trying to do you understand like uh um 
why it's funny that Fezzik just like knocks in a door and then walks away without even looking inside. It's like, it's like, like, it's just, it's, it's really done. And and, and to, to, uh, um, like, again, bring back Dungeons and Dragons. Like that, that's a, a thing that also is hard to do when you're like, you know, you have these people sometimes who like write intricate backstories and all like world building and all this stuff. It's like, you gotta convey it really quickly. You gotta like, be like, okay, what are we doing? Well, anyway, it's just uh, it it's it's really c- clearly well crafted like story craft and, and like efficient uh, um, uh, uh, directing and and screenwriting. It's, it's yeah. cool and it's standing the test of time. And it's one of those movies too that is like. You know how a lot of movies are aging badly, not because of like how they're filmed, but just because of their content. And like yep. this has great content. And yep. a lot of movies are aging badly because too many movies copied it. And people are just like, well, I've seen this 800 times. And then you see the first movie that you're just like, well, I've seen this before. You know, right. no, no movie has done this. Mm-hmm. Many have tried. Some have tried. No, quite a few have tried. Um, <laughs> like a lot of fantasy movies have tried they have not been able to hit this tone in any way. And it's, it's just a working. really difficult tone to hit right. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's, again, going back to what I said all the way at the beginning of this, I'm just like, I don't know how they pulled it off because it could have gone so, so bad. Yep. But they did it and it works. It's like, it's so good. I'm scared to say it, but it's like perfect. It really it's, kind of is. Yes. Yeah. Now here's the real question though. Yes. What are are there what are the Star Trek connections to these movies? Well, um Vizzini um yeah. is on D Space Nine. He plays um a Ferengi who is in charge of stuff. I think his name is Vec. Is it Vec? I can't remember what the name of the character is. God damn it. I really should remember because it's a big character and he he marries like um Quark's mother and all kinds of stuff. It's a whole it's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> he does, he Almost does. Shot. He's the Grand Nagus, right? Um but, sure. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. This you is know, crazy. I, the 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 I've always been more of a fan of the regular Nagus, but the grand one, you know, it seems a little <laughs> ostentatious. But <laughs> it's a bit much. Yes, I, I understand that. Um, hold on, I just where where is it? Oh yeah, no, I'm still in, like the two. Th- He's been in so many things. Yeah, it's it's Zek. Yeah, Z E K. Yeah, I was right. I actually did remember his name. Thank you. I doubted. I did. I was like Tracy. She doesn't know Star Trek. <laughs> doesn't know what she's talking about. Yeah. I know, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Princess Mononoke, um, I'm pretty sure John DiMaggio does voices on Lower Decks now. That makes sense. So I'm just assuming so because he does voices in everything. Yep. <laughs> so I'm just going to go with it. Um, oh my God, I'm not seeing Lower Decks on here yet. Well, hold 
you can cut it this out so that you you have it. So I sound we'll, smarter. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll do about? we'll do a clean clean take of you being like, and it's exactly this episode. And then you just cut, <laughs> cut that in. Okay, so so John DiMaggio does not do any voices on Lower Decks. Oh my god! I am, I am other show. exactly. I am legitimately <laughs> surprised at that. Yeah. Um. Who else could it be? I wonder if Julian Anderson Anderson ever been on Star Trek? No, but she is in the X Files, and I love the X Files, so that works just fine for me. Fair enough. Um, no, it's not him either. Oh, he, oh yeah, he plays, um, just the voice of Glossaric. Um, hmm. I feel like I'm missing something really obvious and somebody's gonna be yelling at me soon about it. Has Keith David not been in Star Trek at all? That's what I just looked up and no, he hasn't. Okay, huh. Um. He's also, uh been in everything kind of exactly yeah so he was like the second person i clicked on i was like yeah, yeah. hasn't he been in stuff i feel like i looked this up yesterday and i've already just forgotten what it is but let's absolutely check, let's check billy kudrup for no reason because he's just been in a lot of random things so it's totally i just i think your audience is disappointed in you at this point i know they are they have to be it's not him. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I mean, on my last episode, my guest Adam, he's the one who was just like, this guy was in Star Trek. And I was like, wait, what? I was, very, I was very confused about the whole thing. Um, but yeah, they were. I was like, this is amazing. I mean, there might not be. No, there has to be. There, there are so many voices in this. podcast. I hate, I really hate the new IMDb. It drives me nuts. Um, Mini Driver? I don't think so. I can, I can still look. Nope. Not her. You know, let me check Billy Bob Thornton. Maybe he showed up in like a, a like head to toe costume and that's why I can't <laughs> think about it. I just did a control F for Star Trek on his, but couldn't find anything but no that's that's literally what i do when i, I can't find things so mm -hmm. did the same thing so no i guess i guess none of the regular people we think of were on it that's sad isn't it mm -hmm. look i'm just checking julian anderson just in case but i feel like that's something i would have like picked up on yeah that, 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 that would be <laughs> taking up important brain space i think exactly um but yeah no oh well it's fine well yeah <laughs> so sad yeah. anyways maybe i'll get a get a message at some point be like no this person was in star trek and i'm like okay it was somebody at like the bottom of the cast list that i was just like random person number three or additional voices that's 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 right yeah. when it's animation it's additional voices not random person number three it's fine mm -hmm. um but yes so we at least have one connection yeah that's and that's a solid one marrying quark's so. mom well, to be, to be honest, 
Um, was it Mandy Potemkin was in, was he in an episode of the X-Files? I'm pretty sure he was. Well, Carrie always was. So that's what Jillian Anderson and Jillian Anderson was in Princess and Mononoke. So can we do like three there degrees of separation? That's fine. Yeah. That works. Okay. There you go. We have our connection. (laughs) You make the rules. (laughs) (laughs) I make all the rules I want. Yeah. Um, I like it. Um, Yeah. I don't know. That's it. That's all I got, I think. I mean, yeah, me too. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to gush about these two movies that uh, we both agreed on on one of them, and the other one I'm probably going to go watch again this week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even though I'm not gushing about Princess Mononoke, it was good having a discussion because we both understand the themes and the thoughts and like there is a deepness to it. I just didn't thoroughly enjoy the presentation, even though there's lots yeah. of very pretty scenes in it. So. I, I think that's totally fair. Like it's mm-hmm. not for everybody. Again, it, it hit me at the right time, right in the childhood. And, uh, <laughs> It was, you know, it, it was the thing for me, but that doesn't mean it has to be the thing for everybody. Yes. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Even though sometimes that can be difficult to be like, what are you talking about? That's still garbage. But I didn't this time. Though. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, we, we can talk about our disagreements about other movies later, but. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a completely different episode for yep. sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's it for this episode of Off My Shelf. Until next time, you can follow along on Instagram and Twitter at Oh My Shelf, or you can send an email to ohmyshelf at gmail.com. On the next episode, we'll be talking about Pulp Fiction and Punch Drunk Love. Hope you'll be here to listen. <laughs> <laughs>